0: You're listening to You've Been Hanked, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor and brother who loves you. Have you ever heard someone say in regards to a death, he bought the farm? Some of you know just what that is. Others may not. It's a reference to credit life insurance. When one takes out a mortgage, particularly on a farm, one may purchase credit life insurance, which will or should, in the tragic events of an untimely demise, pay off what is owed on the mortgage. Good grief, y'all. They worked So hard, saved, sacrificed, struggled, and finally, finally, Dub and Mama were able to buy a truly lovely farm in the Elm community of beautiful East Texas. All my father's people lived in the Elm community. 50 acres of good sandy land, some of the best kind of ground for farming and running cattle. It was the kind of ground in which a farmer might grow anything that folks in beautiful could ever want to grow, and grow it in such wonderful abundance. We ran stocker cattle on it, raised chickens, kept a horse, a Missouri foxtrotter, if you wondering and a Shetland pony. The horse was as good as gold, whereas the pony was an undeniably vicious creature, truly wicked vile, untrustworthy. Loads of kids and even adults seem to have a fantasy about having a pony. Let me do you a favor. Stick with the fantasy. It's a lovely fantasy. The reality is much different, or was in my experience. Ponies, now maybe not all ponies, but certainly our pony was a devil. Honestly, she deserves an episode all her own. If you'd like me to do an episode about that devil pony, Let me know in the comments, will you? Our farm boasted a fine, clear stock tank. That's a pool for my friends who grew up in town, and a delightfully muddy crawdad hole that was absolutely teeming with those delicious, delicious crustaceans. On the back of the place was a creek bed and a moderate stand of oaks. We lived in a handsome red brick house, had a fine metal barn, and a smaller but wonderfully convenient metal workshop. Listen to me talking about a handsome red brick house. Some of y'all know that I'm colorblind. Indeed, I got teased from a vivid description of my sweet dog, Prissy, who I usually describe and did describe as my little blue-haired dog in the episode titled Prissy and the Bull. I may have taken liberties when I remembered her fur as being sky blue with darker blue patches. Well, the truth is... That's exactly how my little blue-haired friend appears to me in my sweet memories, just as I remember that fine brick home as being red. In fact, it might have been orange, or brown, or even green for that matter. I wouldn't know any better. For my purposes here, though, it was more or less red-ish. There was no air conditioning and that was not uncommon in beautiful East Texas in those days. I never had central heat or air until I was in my late 20s, nearly 30. Dub's pickup truck didn't have any air conditioning. It's just fine. Hot? Hoo hoo, yeah, it's hot. But we were just like most of our family and friends and didn't know any different. My dad used to water the house. The earth moves in beautiful When it dries, the ground expands and cracks, and even though our home sat on a strong pier and beam foundation, it wasn't enough to withstand the earth's movement. A crack on the west side of the house got wider, alarmingly so, the drier the ground became. In times like that, Dub pulled the water holes around from the east side of the house over to the west side so that he could water the brick walls and the foundation, and it seemed to help. Perhaps more importantly, it made him feel better. In addition to running stocker cows, we raised watermelons. We raised a lot of watermelons every year, acres and acres of them, enough to load up a couple semi trucks. In addition, Paw Paw took a pickup truck load of vine, ripened fresh watermelons into town every day. He parked his truck on the historic square there in the very heart of Beautiful, where he remained until they were all sold. I'm willing to bet that a whole bunch of y'all ate some of those watermelons whether you knew it or not. He sold them for $3 a piece. Now, those weren't those pitiful little bitty watermelons that you see when you visit the Piggly Wiggly these days. No, ma'am. Those watermelons were the real thing. Black diamond, red, rich or yellow, meat as sweet as sugar, fresh off the vine. Oh, you'd thump them and they sounded wonderful. They ranged in weight between 30 and Fifty pounds. Paw almost always won the best watermelon at the beautiful county fair, and those winners were always grown right there in our watermelon patch. In front of our home were three oak trees out by the road. Any melons that were a little too small, like those little pitiful 20-pounders, or those that might have had a little too much yellow on the rind to be considered perfect, we stacked those in a great stack among the trees and sold them to anyone who stopped being culls we sold them for a dollar a piece y'all a dollar one dollar well my goodness people stopped all day long every day as long as there were melons out there to be had you could just imagine i'm sure good gravy when i think of the work see we didn't hire anyone my dad worked all the time he was the single hardest working human being i've ever known and mama bless her heart She's right there with him, getting her part in, just working as hard as she could. Dub was possessed of the notion that tired boys are good boys. Given this, he was entirely comfortable working us to exhaustion. and For what it's worth, he was right. Tired boys are good boys. Wise man, my father. It was a splendid home for our family. We were so happy there until Dub died. Without credit life insurance, the farm was lost. We moved into town where we struggled, even suffered. Bless her. Mama was a stay-at-home mom. She had an eighth-grade education and no marketable skills. When I say we struggled, even suffered, that isn't for dramatic effect. Life was damn difficult in those days. September 86. Mama, no doubt at her wit's end, arrived home to find me laying on the living room floor. I like to do my homework there. When she walked in, she didn't see a studious kid doing his homework. No, she saw a half-grown great big boy laying around eating her out of groceries and sort of snapped. Get up off that floor and get a job. I'd just turned 15, was stronger than the average lad, liked to work, had a will and heart, but this was the first conversation that mom and I'd had about me looking for work outside of farm work or working around the house I wasn't a lazy kid far from it I told you to get up off that floor you get out of this house and I'd better not see your face again till you have a job well I was upset my feelings were hurt for me this came out of nowhere as a boy I was deeply affected not in a good way these several decades later I understand mama was carrying the load all alone and it was just too much the thing about mommy is you got to be careful i talk about her being a gunfighter and i think sometimes people interpret that as humor well do y'all hear any laughter <laughs> mama was known to shoot first and ask questions later and that is not a literary device i grew up in a different time a different place for the longest time beautiful was very like a land time forgot, if just for a few decades, a half century, perhaps. You may find it hard to believe, but there really were old gunfighters at large, people who were known to be such, and for whom it was just part of their personal mystique. Mama was one of them. She wasn't raising a fool. I got up off the floor, got out of the house, and set about finding a job. In the parking lot, I steeled myself. Honestly, having just turned 15, I had no idea what to say, but did what I've always done. I put my best face forward and waded into the thick of it. As I opened, then closed the front door. A great set of bells hanging from the inside doorknob jangled. They didn't ring. They didn't jingle. They jangled. It was a distinctive sound, one that remains with me despite time, distance, and age. There were three dining rooms the smallest there by the door another long and narrow one adjacent to it and the main dining room i passed them all and found an older woman sitting at the counter on a stool next to the cash register smoking a cigarette next to her on the counter was a pack of pall malls and a black ashtray full of cigarette ashes and crushed out butts hello there she said how can i help you i introduced myself ma'am "'My name's Hank Griffin. I need a job, "'and I understand you need someone to wait tables.' "'Yeah, it's real smooth.' "'I held out my hand, and the woman took it. "'We shook as she said, "'Hello, Hank. My name's Chris. "'This is my cafe.' "'Chris looked me up and down "'and invited me to take a seat "'on one of the stools at the counter. "'I did so, and waited. "'Chris sat there for a while, quiet, "'then said, "'Young man, I hire women and girls.' I've never had a boy wait tables here or or do any work here. My heart began to sink. Chris, I'm honest and a hard worker. I'm friendly. I can talk to people. Whatever you need, I can do it. Whether it's wait tables, wash dishes, mop floors, clean the bathrooms, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not too proud to work hard. My parents have taught me to do just that. And I can give you good references. Chris listened. I could see her thinking, unfortunately... She remained unconvinced. Hank, thank you for coming in here. I know it took courage for you to do that all by yourself, but I've never had a boy work for me before, only girls. I think it might be best if we both keep looking for the right fit. I rose from the stool, shook Chris's hand again. Yes, ma'am, thank you for your time, was all I could manage. I walked around the corner through the dining rooms and out the door. As it opened and closed again, I heard that distinctive jangle. I'd walked to the cafe. It was a long walk. Mama was clear that I was not welcome back home until I was also gainfully employed. Frankly, I I didn't know what to do. I walked to the beautiful city park thinking I might stop there to meditate on how to proceed. At the park, Cookie, a family friend, saw me. She pulled up in her aging but still very cool El Camino. Hey, Hank. I just talked to Chris up at the cafe. She wants you to come back and talk to her again. I could hardly believe my ears. What do you mean you just talked to Chris at the cafe? You know I work there, don't you? <laughs> Honestly, I, look, I was 15. I had no idea. Still, I had a boyhood crush on Cookie who was as pretty as could be, and I didn't want to sound stupid. Oh, oh uh, uh, yeah, was the nearest I could manage to a clever say. Cookie rolled her eyes, grinned, such pretty eyes and said get in the car i'll drive you over there at the cafe chris and i sat down again the familiar smell of cigarette smoke filled the air did you mean it when you said you'd wash dishes mop floors and clean the bathrooms chris asked yes ma'am from the kitchen came a beautiful sing-song voice oh i like his manners chris closed her eyes shook her head sighed and said that's betty She's the evening cook, and there's no better cook anywhere in Beautiful. Again, she looked me up and down. Most boys don't want to do the kind of dirty work you will have to do if you want to be a waiter here. That's why I was hesitant earlier. But you do have good manners, and I have a good feeling about you. I asked Cookie if she knew you, and she went on and on about what a great young man you are. At this, I couldn't help but blush. You still want the job? Yes, ma'am. Chris smiled. It is the first time I saw it, that smile, I mean. Like the jangle of the bells that hung on the front door, Chris's smile remains with me a lifetime away. It was a wonderful, wonderful smile, broad, toothy, infectious, only made better by her laughter. I didn't know it then, but I hadn't just met my new employer, No. I had just met and shared a first smile with a woman who would become a true and trusty friend. Cookie told me that you're in the marching band, is that right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. You'll have Thursdays and Fridays off and we'll work four to close the rest of the week. How does that sound? That sounds great, Chris. Thank you for giving me a chance. Again, that sing-song voice from the kitchen, something about this just feels right to me. Chris's face lit up as she Again, closed her eyes, sighed, then smiled that wonderful smile, come with me, Betty's just busting to meet you, and after that I'll give you the tour. And just like that, I had a job, and was again welcome at home. Much love, Hank. You've been Hanked. Are you a You've Been Hanked subscriber? If so, thank you. If not, good heavens, why not? Hit the subscribe button, for goodness sake. And while you're at it, share this episode with someone that you think will enjoy it. To my paid subscribers, thank you so much for your enthusiastic support. Y'all, it means the world to me, and I thank you accordingly. You've Been Hanked is growing. Please help the podcast grow faster by recommending us to those who enjoy storytelling. If you aren't a paid subscriber but find this work worthy of your hard-earned dollar, your paid subscription will help ensure that I can continue to tell these wonderful stories. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.